You are now listening to the sound of my block. Listen to the sound of my block. Just pause and listen to it, guys. Just would you guys please let Nathan listen to the sound of his block? I know we were having a romantic moment, but I need to listen to the sound of my block here, okay? <laughs> Good grief. Just gonna... People are so impatient. People are impatient. They need to smell those syringes, <laughs> see the litter, <laughs> inhale some tobacco. They need to smell the block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of many comments I'll make that could be deemed as racist against somebody or other, I'm sure. Anyway, let's talk about In the Heights, the Broadway musical sensation now uh, uh, made into a movie by People, John Chow, or however you say his name, the Crazy Rich Asians guy, a movie that I enjoyed. <sighs> Thing is, he doesn't... A movie s- I still haven't seen. It's fun. I may just wanted to watch it. It's fun. You'd en- you'd, you guys would both enjoy it. It's a good, it's a good w- movie to watch with your woman, as I recall, anyway. <laughs> it's got a lot of Crazy Rich Asians in it. Oh, Megan liked it? She's seen it? I haven't seen it? Well, I was curious what Megan's reaction was. The fact that Megan likes it, I think, only lends credibility to the idea that it's a good movie. Because if there's one person in a position not to like a movie called Crazy Rich Asians, it's somebody who's spent some time in Asia and knows how much it's reflecting something and what it's reflecting, which I don't really know. Besides, I know that there are some Crazy Rich Asians. That, That much I understand. Yeah. And this movie's about them. They're crazy. They're rich. They're Asian. Not the movie that we're here to review today. No, no, no. <laughs> but I think I, I just like to point out that I'm not sure that John Chow really understands that there's a difference between the culture of crazy rich Asians and crazy poor Latinos. He kind of tends to film them. Anyway, we'll get into it. Has everyone sufficiently smelled the block? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, let's let's call it good. All right. Let's, we'll call it good for now. If we need to double back and absorb block information... A little bit later in the, the podcast, we can, because I feel like that's something that you have to come back to. But let me introduce this first. My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben Solzer there, child of the streets, <laughs> if, if ever there was one. Right. And we've got a third gentleman. He's just working to get out of here, make it to his island. You can tell us who he is, Ben, and right. more, more about him. Right. Back, trying to get back home to Island, island Newburg mm-hmm. is the best... <laughs> the happiest memories of his life. Right. <laughs> Faster <Yeah>. Jake Mensel. <laughs> Boy, did you say it. <laughs> Isla de Newburg. All right, guys. In the Heights. It's a musical. It didn't make any money. Everybody was shocked by that. It was supposed to make lots of money. It was supposed to bring theaters roaring back to life. Instead, people were way more interested in... The Conjuring, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even know. I just knew that it was In the Heights is like a critical darling. Right it is now. a super critical darling, and it was a yeah. big, fun, splashy, exuberant musical, and it was supposed to be one of the things that was going to bring theaters out of COVID and back to life. But instead, A Quiet Place 2 is really the thing that's done that, and also, secondarily, The Conjuring. So, horror movies always sell. Big, exuberant, happy musicals are pretty hit and miss. What about Cruella? That's what I want to know. I think Cruella's done all right. Mm. But again, people were really hungry to be terrified. They they, they wanted their again, quiet place. Again, what about Cruella? Well, <laughs> again, people were hungry to be <laughs> oh, terrified right, not right. to watch some campy piece right. of Disney IP exploitation. 
I think Cruella did all right. Not with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Hey, I would watch Cruella. I'll probably watch it sometime with my wife. I think it's probably fun in its dumb little way. It's probably a complete waste of time, but me and my wife can hold hands on the couch or something like that and have something pleasant playing in the background with Emma Stone camping it up and that other Emma, Emma Thompson camping it up. You're going to get some entertainment value out of that, I would think. I would think. Plus, I th- I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Dalmatians murdered her mother, <laughs> which made me want to see the what? movie. <laughs> no way. I think Dalmatians accidentally uh, knocked her mom off a cliff or something. Right. <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna give Cruella Deville a tragic backstory that right. makes her sympathetic and makes sense of the fact that she's an evil puppy murdering monster, then you might as well. <laughs> I think you could do a whole lot worse than Dalmatians knocked her mom off of a cliff. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) that was what made me excited to see the movie like oh this is a piece of garbage okay i can get behind that as long as we all understand what we're doing have you seen the 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 reviews going around social media of guys that's so shocking you know her last name is devil and she lives at hell hall and it's like oh yeah and she she claims that she wants to be like associated with the devil and some christian lady was like this is not my disney right and, yeah well like, that was kind of silly yes i have seen those reviews <sighs> well that's another movie we're not here to discuss Aww. we're here to discuss the conjuring colon the devil made me do what do you guys think about the larger conjuring verse <laughs> Anna, you're annabelle you're the nun you're la morta day they, they, they have a whole bunch of spinoffs of the conjuring and I think they mostly involve people walking through dark, underlit places and then things going, ah! <laughs> Exciting Uh-oh. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm as far as the country goes, I'm committed to never seeing any of them. <laughs> 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 We're so excited to talk about In the Heights. In the Heights! That's not even the melody. All right. We watched In the Heights. What's you guys' history with Lin-Manuel Miranda and all that? I guess that's an important factor. You ha- we all Hamilton fans. What's the? Yeah, I'm a Hamilton fan. Yep, a definitely f- a Hamilton. What's there's there surely is there's a name for Hamilton fans. I don't know. We're all Ham Hamilheads. <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Poor Mark Hamill. No, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Mark Hamill. I know. We're also Hamilheads. <laughs> we're Mark Hamillheads. Unlike Ryan Johnson, True. sick burn there. Okay. Uh, so we all liked Hamilton. Yeah, we all liked Hamilton. I think it's safe to say, not just me, but... Alex Fander Hamilton's. Alex... <laughs> that's what... Alex Fander Hamilton's. <laughs> Did you just make that up or is that what the internet says? <laughs> I don't know that it's really... I don't know that it's really around, but it, it popped up on Quora. Okay, well, once again, (laughs) we live in a wonderful world, and I'm glad that the Uh, fans are called Alexander Fan... Alex Fander. Alex Fander. (laughs) Alex Fander. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Fander Hamilton. (laughs) That's great. I'm happy. Good job, Alexander Hamilton's. Or, yeah, whatever they are. (laughs) Maybe maybe can't get it right. Can't even get it right. (laughs) Yeah, we all liked Hamilton. I would have loved to hate on Hamilton because I hate things that are popular and I'm grumpy and everybody, that's at least the stereotype of me. But I was the first person of the three of us to embrace Hamilton because my wife was listening to the soundtrack and I was just like, okay, well, you can't deny that this is genius. And then, you know, we all watched Hamilton and it was 
a fine old time at the TV screen. None of us actually went to see Burr Hamilton because we didn't want to mortgage our, get a second mortgage or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, but as soon as Disney put it on Disney Plus, we watched it. Yep. So that's our... His- and then I listened to the soundtrack. And then you listen to the soundtrack, which is arguably the way to do it. Also arguably not the way to do it because you probably got a lot less out of watching it the first time. But... I don't know. Don't feel like I got... Didn't feel like I missed anything. I guess I just didn't remember Alexander's Hamilton's story that well. So it was nice to have listened to the album a couple times to have some handles because there's so much information coming at you so quickly. Anyway, we're not here to litigate Hamilton. I already done that. And you can discover that I already knew Hamilton's story. Oh, yeah. Pretty well. So so Jake was going to be a hater because he was like, they're not going to get the story correct. But then... (laughs) They basically kind of do, minus <laughs> yeah. the whole casting. I mean, some people of color and totally changing a bunch of stuff. They, yeah, yeah, but they got a lot of the rest of the story. They right. included mm-hmm. the adultery and a lot of Alexander Hamilton's character flaws and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, we all like Hamilton because we live on a little planet called Earth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We like objectively good things. We like objectively good things. And Hamilton is just quite good and it reaches across the aisle masterpiece it's a masterpiece it's it deserves all of its phenomena i mean there's a reason we came away from that thinking all right do we have a do we have a new like shakespeare style dude on our hands like this was super special what's he gonna do next right is this a one-hit wonder is this Mm -hmm. you know and i would say that the jury is still out on that I mean, In the Heights came first, yeah, so you can and it's an adolescent thing, really. You can feel him, like, gearing up for Hamilton and getting mm-hmm. a lot of his ducks in the row here. And being willing to take the success of In the Heights and just completely cannibalize it and ruin it. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Hmm. Which, I, think, I mean, I think my take is that Hamilton ruins In the Heights. Because, yeah. Because it does so many of the same things better. Yeah, yeah, it does... It's like he had a good formula and he had some good patterns and he had some good, he found a lot of things that worked when he did In the Heights and really resonated with people. And then he just took a lot of those things and took them to the next level and didn't even bother differentiating a whole lot in terms of character and... Which I think is fine, by the way. I don't mind that, but it does ruin In the Heights. Yeah. I mean, if he wants to, it, if got, want, it got us Hamilton. If so. you're going to cannibalize anybody, you might as well cannibalize yourself. Sure. Yeah. But sure. I, I think that's fair for an artist to do. I think it's entirely fair. But Well, it's the kind of thing that we will probably do on our next story show. Mm-hmm. Our next story show, after we finish the Ville, we'll use the same troupe of actors. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot of our characters are just going to be written to be, they're going to be a lot of echoes of, of characters from the Ville. In yep. the new story show. It's like poetry, as George Lucas famously said when he was writing the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get... You have to write to people's strengths and to their weaknesses. And yeah. we spent five years or four years or however long learning how to do that with the bill. And mm. our our troop isn't going to change. And, and our sensibilities aren't going to change. Our we, sensibilities we, we, we like certain kinds of things. And that was true of... I mean, Miranda was working with the troop, mm-hmm. by and large. Yeah. It's just, I guess the difference is how much is just going to be transposition of what you did before. Right. Yeah, he didn't. Well, before we go too deep into our takes, is, does anybody else have any other Hamilton and or Miranda baggage? I think we all hated that 
Mary Poppins thing, which mm-hmm. it wasn't really his fault, but it's not his, he, he's just a performer in that. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't he play to his that. strengths though, and it was a mistake for him to yeah take mm-hmm. the part. Yeah, I guess he did Moana, but I haven't seen it. So I haven't seen it either, but I've either. I've heard the soundtrack a million times, and it's great. I mean, Moana is the closest thing I think to. Oh, hey, it's the old Hamilton magic. Not that he, I think, even did every song in it, but the songs that he did are great. And what else has he done? I, I know he's done other things. Those are the big things. Those are the big things. I mean, he's got other things coming out. He's got Little Mermaid and he's got some other fun things. Yeah. I think Mary Poppins is the big black spot. Well, maybe in the Heights is, but we'll talk about that. The Mary Poppins is the big black spot because he, I don't think his actual strength is as a performer. Even in the the recorded for all posterity version of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda's like, he's fine, but he's not the really dynamic performer in that. No, he, yeah, he, but although I think that I suspect he would have done a better job than Anthony Ramos in the lead, except for being having been fully aged out of the part and it really needing somebody who's cute and charming, or well, who's, not charming but cute. I think I think he he gets by in Hamilton by underplaying mm-hmm. and he brings something under the surface to what he's doing that I liked a lot. Yes, I did too, and I think yeah, if, I think it, if Anthony Ramos had had more of whatever it is that makes Lin-Manuel Miranda tick, it just would have helped. a little bit of that. Some of the charisma, anger and the charisma. And the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. Ramos he feels is like such flat. A, he feels like such to, a dunderhead in, in the Heights. And it's like Lin-Manuel Miranda, at least you know he's always thinking. There's always something going yeah. on. He would never see him as much of a beta in front of That's right. his lady. That's right. As yeah. Ramos, I think, accidentally did. I don't think the movie was actually trying to tell us he was a beta, but... Well, it sure did, though. I mean, it did. It did. I. That's because Ramos is a beta, and it comes... And that's why he gets huh. cast as the child character in Hamilton. And why you feel like the actual child character in, in The Heights was written for Ramos or somebody like him mm-hmm. and not the lead role. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm. And I, I I mean, he is charismatic in his way. I, I don't mind necessarily him being a movie star in the right role or... Charismatic, but Right, simple. but not as a lead. Yeah. Not as the romantic If he lead. was playing the Sonny character, for example... Right. He would have been great at that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, could be, he could be a great sidekick. He was... And it just feels like Sonny was written for, some, for Ramos or somebody like him the way that Philip was written for Ramos mm-hmm. or somebody like him. Well, I guess we're already kind of, we've already sort of given some of our thoughts away, but Jake, do, is there anything else to your, your hot take on, I was going to say Hamilton, on In the Heights? Like, you think it's subpar to Hamilton? You think Hamilton cannibalized a lot of what was best about it and left it not a very exciting thing and artifact in and of itself? Yeah, I think it's sweet. It's not special the way that Hamilton's special. The Hamilton builds off its best qualities and does a lot of those things better and yeah adds some magic of its own mm-hmm. that this this one's lacking and tries to make up for in uh cinematography and choreography which is really great and beautiful in its own way if very pepsi commercial as you said mm-hmm. not not trying to steal your take on that but that's a, a really strong take i think it, it be, uh, there's a specific pepsi commercial that maybe we all remember it has britney spears yep. and bob I, dole well, as soon as you said that that's what I know. That's my I head. Actually don't remember it. And they all have the exact level of sweat and the exact level of sheen. Uh, there's no reason to pull it up unless you want to see uh, Britney Spears <laughs> flaunting her stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's just 
the choreography, the the cutting style, everything about this is like early Audis sort of <laughs> <laughs> Pepsi commercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's 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 done well enough. I don't know, Ben. What's your? I mean, Coke. Your Coke actually in their commercials, by comparison, gives you a little bit more sweat. A little, little bit more sweat. A little more grit. Right? Yeah. 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 I wish this was done more of a Coca commercial. If everybody had more sweat, this move that would go a long way towards making this movie work. I think make it feel just a little bit more real, a little more lived in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know it's a flashy musical. It doesn't we we're not nobody demands our musicals to feel too real and too lived in mm-hmm. right because they're musicals but this one didn't straddle that line though yeah yeah you've you've got to give a little more <clears throat> i mean but it is it is beautiful it is oh, yeah. colorful and the choreography is really cool but it just <clears throat> but that's where I, I just felt like if there were more sweat in the songs mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just something that i could walk away with and want to hum yeah that's, I'm, that's part of it, too. I can understand why this played so well and won so many Tonys on Broadway. It makes yeah. sense. If, you, if you're Especially actually sitting if there you and haven't like, seen him, if Hamilton doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Right? Like, this, uh, as a proof of concept for... Just that whole style. That whole style of, of, of musical is really spectacular and cool. Well, and mm-hmm. I think on Broadway, so, yeah. so many of the things, you wouldn't have to worry about literal sweat you as an audience could just assume that they were, that, that, that right. even though they were representing it very colorly or, or colorfully, you could assume this is enough. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, but you, you could just assume symbolically this, like, I know what they're trying to do is show, tell me a story of the streets. And so I'm imagining there's cigarettes on the ground. I'm imagining there's right. the smell. There's yeah. a whole lot of gaps that you have to fill. Right. That you have to be more creative or you don't have to be as creative about, or whatever in a stage production, I I do think that there would be some real value in comparing this to a stage production the way that we got to see Hamilton as a stage right. production and how seeing some movie maker's vision of Hamilton would have changed the way that well, I think yeah. it, I think there's a good case to be made that Hamilton won't work actually for this for some of the same reasons because having black guys literally in the Revolutionary War rapping is much different than having a black guy who stands for the idea of something rapping stage. about the idea of something and the audience is filling it in you're, with you're their imagination. It takes you it breaks yeah. the reality too much or takes you out of it maybe too much. Right. Yeah, so so the stage It actually a... works less to do what Miranda's trying to do with race and and it, 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 in the musical in and of itself. Yeah, cuz suddenly we're just saying, "Ah, there was it was black guys back then." And that doesn't make any sense. Like No, you, it's just it's supposed to be symbolic. Right. It's supposed to be a, some symbolic. It's, it's supposed to be abstract and metaphorical to some. Yeah. And, and that's great. But who, who are today's Hamiltons and Washingtons? Who are today's upstart immigrants? Right. And I think there's a way to make a movie play symbolically or abstractly. There's a way to have a movie be represented, you know, like the movies of Wes Anderson. Are we supposed to really believe that that's how the world works? No, it's, it's artifice and we know it. West Side Story is a great counterpoint to this. It's artifice and it knows it, but it's also indicating how brutal things are while everyone's just dancing around and doing choreography. It's like... Well, and and then Cho or Chow, I'm not sure who or how. (laughs) Chu, Cho. But but, I mean, they try to like, they, they insert animation. 
he inserts animation here and there. He does the now we're walking sideways and defying gravity here and there. Like he does things that are you have to assume meant to make you feel like you're in a magical, symbolical world that's just a representation, but it doesn't. It never symbolizes anything that makes sense or makes emotional sense. I don't know. It feels like it's just breaking the reality that he's already established where it's just like, I'm not, that's cool, but it doesn't feel of a, like, like it makes sense. It's of a piece of the world that you've introduced me to. Well, I'll give you a great counter, what I think is a great counterpoint. Let me, let me compliment my own point before I make it. Uh, Moulin Rouge, completely artificial, and I'm yeah. not recommending the movie, but it's completely artificial, and yet it effectively says, here is a debauched place full of prostitutes, full of people taking advantage of people, full bohemian of, artists, full of bohemian artists who are starving, and it's never for a moment does it look like anything but a big splashy Set. MTV kind of thing. But it gives you those ideas, like you understand what the world's supposed to be. This movie's either too literal or not splat- symbolic enough, or I don't know. You know, they could go either direction. You know, they could give, put some warts on people's faces, have some broken teeth, have some cigarettes. That's one direction you could go, or you could go more into abstraction one way or another, and still tell and make it work. Yeah, and we need more dancing on the side of buildings and animations popping into in and out of our reality here, right? For that to work, but either way. They didn't, they didn't actually make it work. Like it didn't, they're not telling the story that I think that they intend to tell. And I could forgive Lin-Manuel Miranda if he was 20 or whatever, however old he was when he came up with this, that level of maturity. But the fact that he wasn't able to see it or didn't want to see it, didn't just look at this movie and say, oh, wait a second. I didn't actually tell the story that I meant to. I think that's pretty unforgivable. But I'll get to, I'll get to more of that, I guess. Ben, what's your big hot take on this movie? You already said most of my thoughts, so that's it. It's just not abstract enough. It's not gritty enough. It's not anything enough. It's just kind of it's colorful, but not it's but not in a memorable way. There aren't characters who stand out. There aren't numbers that stand out. There aren't. There's no music that's stuck in your head afterwards. There's just kind of like yeah, it was a big colorful thing that happened. That's it. That's all that you're left with. The only the only thing that. To me is like, I would make me want to come back to it is the, is 96,000 scene number, not because of the music, but because of the, just the pool. Yeah. It's choreography. Fun. It's fun. Oh, that was super big, interesting. Berkeley kinda, yeah. Really fun. Well, it's also the most overtly political number. And I think that that does give it some interest, whether you agree some with the, edge, with yeah. the political, the politics or not, at least there's an edge. Yeah. And so much of this is just kind of toothless. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll watch that number again on YouTube, probably. Although it does have the trouble that a lot of this movie has of, of if you don't want to see a bunch of people in various stages of undress, uh, doing things with questionable things with their body. Although I will say this movie had less of that than I sort of expected it to. It had less than I expected for as, for as quote unquote sex positive as, the script in the storyline is it's just very unashamed unashamedly uh sexual here and there it's really it's really neutered it's really lacking in anything of actual it's really lacking any sexual potency anywhere mm-hmm. 
Like there's really nothing. And I think that's on purpose. I think yeah. that that's their way of keeping it quote unquote friend, family friend, friendly, which to, to be clear. And quote unquote, well, and, and advancing an agenda where it's just normalcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more like the porn version of things in that sense than, than the real life love version of things. It's just like images of flesh. It's like you said, it's not as bad as it could be. But Well, again, you compare it to 90s MTV and it's like they're not being that salacious in the way that they emphasize certain body parts of women and things like that. Like we, we, we used to be much more overtly sexual. Now we're going to have people wear even nastier outfits and like the whole thing will have the sheen of sex yeah, even but more. But none of the potency. But none it. of the potency. Yeah. So there's nothing like I, you know, you can look back on it. Ob- I look back on it objectively or even listened. I listened to the soundtrack or at least parts of it over the last couple of days because I watched it, you know, a week ago when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be fresh or whatever. But it was like, oh, yeah, that lyric. Oh, yeah, that lyric. Oh, yeah, that lyric. And you start to look at things objectively or the number of times that one lady actually fondles her own breasts or something like mm-hmm. that. And you just say that out loud. But going through the movie itself, I was like, I can't think of anything that I, was even remotely actually sexually provocative or stimulating. Right. Which is not to say and that- it wasn't that it's- you wouldn't show this to your your. I'm not showing it to my kids, and it's not. But I don't think that's a statement on desensitization so much as just like the very there's something in how that they they did they portrayed things that was just like blasé. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think you're right. It it also I don't know. Is it partly that it feels like just exposing yourself sexually or whatever or, or making yourself making your sexual potency known which is like a lot of what the the older women in the beauty shop they're doing that all the time yes. mm-hmm. emphasizing their that's, breasts and the way that they dance right that's what yeah. i was yeah it, yeah they're they're the ones just, that get like close-ups of their butts and stuff like that I know, I know which you expect the whole movie to have that with all the younger ladies but they, no, they very much stay away from that like we would never exploit our young ladies this way but yeah not not nearly as much but what was I going to, oh, I kind of lost my thought here. It's something to do with normalizing the idea that like, of course, sex is everywhere. You can assume that we have sex with lots of different men in the community, almost. It mm-hmm. has that flavor to me of like, so, and so who cares? This person's sleeping with that person. You're sleeping with that person. Hope it works out. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all sexual and it's all de-sexed. It's, yeah. it's like, it's the weird perversity of the age that we live in. There's nothing that's wholesome about it, although it very much wants to pretend that it's wholesome. But it's also, it doesn't want to be overtly depraved in a way that you'd almost respect. I don't want to say you would actually respect it, but, you know, those old MTV music videos, like, they knew, like, all right, this is what men are interested in, and they'll give us more money if we should, you know, it's just like, it was very transactional and very wicked. Yeah, well, two and a half minutes, they push all the buttons. Right. Right. And two and a half hours, and we have studiously avoided pushing any buttons. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going out of our way, but we want to give you just enough to show that these people are all sexualized and, you know, a man. Everything's well, super sexual. A man signed up off on every one of those outfits, and they're all outfits that, you know, none of us would ever want to see any woman that we love or care about wearing yeah. in right. public. Right. You know, even just like the random, we're going for a walk and it's not a dance number. It's like, uh, okay, why did, does everybody really dress like that in in the Heights, I guess? I don't know. 
Does everyone dress like a background dancer in a early oddies music video all the time? What if we suggest edit this out if you want? But I mean, in if you see photos of people from Cuba, mm-hmm. women are generally less modest. That's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Like their standards of modesty are lower than what I would want my daughters to have. Right. Or my wife. And maybe that's just, maybe it is like that in the Heights or more like that. Maybe that's part of the culture. And what was being honestly portrayed? Yeah. Or, I mean, exaggerated, you know. But well, everything's a, a, every in portraying culture, everything's an exaggeration. Everything's a generalization. This is one of the things that really got under my skin when I started looking at reviews or whatever the night of, uh, like, I got done watching it. I got on the internet and it's like, plays into old Latino stereotypes. And it's just like, guys, and makes broad generalizations about Latinos. It's like, guys, that's what culture is. Mm-hmm. That's how do you portray a culture in a positive way without playing some stereotypes and generalizations? Like, that's just what, that's what it is to portray a culture positively. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're going to celebrate German culture. Let's bust out the lederhosen, right? Mm-hmm. I can't believe they said that Latin people have large, loving communities. Oh, man. I bet there's some lonely, depressed Latin people or, or Latinx, whatever we're supposed to call them now. Why aren't we representing them? Why are, they, why are all these Irish people drinking beer all the time and whiskey in our <laughs> celebration of Irish culture? I don't know. Well, not every Irishman's a drunk. Okay. But (laughs) (laughs) so I've I've been holding off on just letting this movie have it with both barrels because I thought it might be a a conversation killer or just not a good way to start the podcast. But I hate this movie. I really hate this movie. It makes me angry. I did not. I mean, I I had a pleasant enough time watching it, but thinking about it this morning and and I was talking to, to my wife a little bit about it. I got so angry. I almost cried. Like what? a piece of garbage this movie is. And I'll tell you the reason. Imagine if you made a Pepsi commercial about slaves and they were just happy working in the fields and doing a dance. And it was like a Pepsi commercial about slaves. And you didn't talk about the chains and you talked about the masters and you didn't talk about the pain and the bitterness and the anger. That's what this movie does regarding poverty. I mean, forget about Latin and or Afro-cultural appropriation. Lin-Manuel Miranda, this rich, pretty boy. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Yeah, son of a psychologist and I forget what. He didn't grow up in the Heights. He grew up in in Manhattan. No, he grew up next to the Heights and obviously romanticized them. And then he makes this thing about like how wonderful it is. And they shoot it like a Pepsi commercial. And I just think you are fetishizing slavery because you're not showing any of the bitterness that comes with poverty. Why does everybody want to get out of the Heights? Yeah, we don't know. Why? I, it looks like Disney World. I want to go to the Heights. The Heights look great. Right. Like, there, there's <laughs> not, they, they don't set up the narrative thing of Usnavi. Like, why does he want to escape? What's he escaping from? This is great. You have community. You have friends. You have awesome dances. You have, you go swimming in the summer. And why in the world does he choose to stay? What's he doing? What's What's the point? What's the mission? What's the, what, where are the, actual pushes and pulls coming from they here. don't even really give us liberal bad guys there's not an evil cop 
we only allude to some racists searching her and and like we talk about it a little bit like well they're all off screen in stanford but they're not in new york you have the whitest guy who lives in the neighborhood who charges too much for laundry right we could make well so so you you have the insinuation that what's actually happening is gentrification and so you have you have the rich white people moving in and buying up land and property and overcharging the and exploiting the poor people like abuela when she goes to you know try to have something dry cleaned or whatever and she you know she can't drive she can't go anywhere else what is she going to do but you know it's so toothless though like i would respect it if it had the uh, what's the word but that's i mean this is this is miranda's whole thing like who who's the real villain who would be the real villain here it would be a bunch of white Manhattan hipsters who want to... The very people that buy Broadway tickets, you sell out Miranda. Right. I I mean, honestly... Us hmm. in this room, except not us, but still, like... Us if we had money. Right. Like, it's it's the rich Manhattan people. Yeah, but uh, rich, rich, believe me, rich Manhattan people hate themselves. You could make them the bad guys, they'd be okay with it. In fact, they'd applaud you. But Miranda, he wants to go bigger than that like he doesn't even have the courage to create liberal villains there's not an evil cop there's not an evil anything the system's bad i guess the system is keeping usnavi's friend or cousin or whatever he is from you know we're we're persecuting the dreamers by not letting them uh, get their green cards so they can go to college or whatever but it's all just so so i made the mistake of for whatever reason vanessa's not gonna get uh rent Vanessa's not, not going to be able to. Yeah, that's the closest thing we have to a hateable character is Vanessa's realtor, land, land, realtor or whatever, who's who immediately starts talking to the other people. Even the guys that catcall Vanessa, we don't spend enough time on them to really feel like she's being insulted. Like the movie doesn't take a stand like Latino machismo culture is bad. Obviously, it can't take that stand because that's too much of Latino actual culture. But it wants to kind of play with the idea that she doesn't like being catcalled. But it doesn't even want to play with that idea. So yeah. what What it's a cowardly... Like it's, it's more like it's a charming background to her life or something. Really. Yeah. Well, and that's... I mean, you have the blackout and the, Vanessa and Usnavi are separated. Mm-hmm. And you have this thought of, oh, no. What's going to happen to this beautiful woman that all of the Latin men in the club are just like all over her? What's going to happen when the lights go out? But then you realize, nope, nothing's going to happen because... We live in Disneyland. And everything's positive <laughs> yeah, here. This everything's is great. great. We're all just one big happy family. It's like, well, you could have done something with that that would have had real consequences for how Usnavi, how beta Usnavi was throughout the whole club scene. No, because then you'd be punishing her for being a S-L-U-T, uh, which we wanted to play with that a little bit there too, but... We didn't want to actually say anything about it or. <sighs> well, I mean, you're probably going to get to this, but the actual the actual story of immigrants. Were we helpless or were we powerless? I can't remember. I keep getting it confused. In my we were powerless. powerless. Oh, powerless. powerless. Lame. We were... Helpless. Uh, worthless. Worthless is a song for the brave little toaster that the cars <laughs> sing as they're being smashed in the, <laughs> in the assembly line of the, the waste yard or whatever. Anyway, Ben, you were saying. I was going to say the actual story of immigrants coming away from poverty to find hope in America. Oh, he's very willing to use that idea in Hamilton. 
But in this one, it's like a negative. Oh, we had to leave the Dominican Republic to come to this awful place. And now, can we get back? Can we go back home? That's Usnavi's dream, apparently. Well, and, okay. So, okay. But that's, not, but that's, no, that's not quite fair because no. the whole thing is he realizes how great he has it. In America, in because yeah, because yeah, Nina is yeah, gonna but, 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 become a lawyer and defend so, them. But but even so, it's like in, it's like being in the Heights is like what what's good about it is that you live as an oppressed minority who's going to remain poor and you stand up for yourselves as best you can, and that's that's what's good about it. And that's not fair to like, for instance, Cubans who came to America were like they're happy. Thank well, you. Well, Buela was happy. Yeah, uh, she it, could never really get ahead, though. It's yeah, it's it's like both. It's like it's like the movie wants to wants to wants to gesture enough just to cover its butt towards the happiness of Abuela and her immigrant experience, but also say, well, well, I actually I saw an interview well, with Miranda see, where he articulated this. I think he articulated what you're trying to say. Only he articulated it as a positive. He said the the message of this movie, the thing that I wanted to articulate for people, is the idea that we can become American, but we don't have to assimilate. assimilate. Like, there, no assimilation, that's bad. Assimilation's bad, but still there's something positive about America. Like, he wanted to... Well, it, it doesn't really have the feeling of gratitude. Eh. You think I'm overstating it? Yeah, I think you're... I feel like you're pushing it too far. Okay. I, it, it would make sense for an orphan who was brought over to America when he was a child to romanticize the beach that he only has happy memories of with his with his parents and think that he's going to try to get back there when he feels displaced and disconnected and have to go through a period of figuring out actually my connections are here and my place is here and uh, immigrant stories are american stories struggles with place and belonging are american stories my problem with the way that this immigrant story is told is that it should resonate with every American one well, way or another. Yes. And, it, 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 and, and so I don't want to forgive it for not resonating with me, even though I'm not Latino. Well, here's why it doesn't, well, though. It doesn't yeah. actually say it. So That's take funny. West Side Story. There's the wonderful, everybody's favorite number, America. There's the group singing about, let's go back to Puerto Rico. We had it good here. Here the cops just oppress <laughs> us. Things are bad. And then you have the women singing about, we have air conditioning, you know, it's actually pretty nice. Yeah. And th they represent both points of view, really powerful. It's a really angry song from both points of view. And it's wonderful because we're we're just playing with that tension. The tension, right. This and, movie, and we only gesture at the tension. I don't yeah. even think this movie yeah. hardly bothers to gesture. It assumes it, it that- It does. When he goes to the lawyer, right, it has its points. Like you can actually make the case. You can't make the case that they tried to make him land. But when he goes to the lawyer- and it's like, look, I want to go back. He's like, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Why would you go back to that hole? Here's pictures of it. See the pictures? It's a, it's not what you remember it as. It's a hovel. Yeah, but in, but in a musical, in a musical uh, story reality where you know hovels become become castles or whatever, you know, like like a like a like like a kind of rags to riches. My dream will become a reality. I, it, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like the movie was. Yeah, here's the me thing. Here's the thing. Way. Every time it wants to make one of these points, it tells instead of shows. It never. Right. It, it does not. That's show. right. It, that's we're right. going to have Nina tell the story of the bad thing that happened in college. We're right. going to have Abuela at the very end, right before she dies. Spoiler for this dumb movie. We're going to have Abuela tell the story of whatever her difficulties were at yeah. the very end. We are never going to show or make the audience feel 
any of the realities of what these people would have to deal with, either positively or negatively. Yeah. We have closest, nothing to say, in, and we're hypocrites who are going to pretend like we have something to say. Well, but closest would be Sunny, like seeing the protester woman saying, oh, no no work study if yes. you're undocumented and Sonny's sitting on the bench sad and that's the closest and Sonny comes the closest it, and so and so the movie that's why I say the movie slants it towards actually we're not very grateful yeah. and and we are just an oppressed minority island here and America does not we don't we don't represent America America doesn't represent us our stories are kind of separate we happen to live here that but that's just the flavor yeah I mean of course yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda wants to be able to play it both ways, and he's right. very savvy about that. Right. But that's just yeah. exactly he, what he makes left his himself movie, enough so. outs yes. that he can play it both ways. Right. Agreed. But but you're right about the characterization. I just think he he created plausible deniability, and let's not pretend like he didn't. Right. No, he's he's smarter than that. But he's smart. he the movie doesn't leave you feeling like America's. You feel like the heights are pretty great because they feel like a Pepsi commercial from the early oddies, as I will keep saying. But where people really do love each other. I mean, I really just think if he had if he had even had the uh, moxie to say America sucks, I would respect this movie more. I would disagree with mm-hmm. it. I might be angry for different reasons, but I would be respectfully disagreeing with a movie that said, oh, those cops are out to get us and the mm-hmm. system is oppressing us mm-hmm. and poor Sonny can't, you know, the dreamers can't get their work study, you know, their work study thing. That would be something. Mm-hmm. But to pretend like you have something to say, here's another idea. Just don't say anything. Tell your little La Bohem, Romeo and Juliet story with the background of poverty. Romanticize the heck out of it like artists have been doing for hundreds of years. That's fine. But if, if you, you, you can just pretend like you're not saying anything. I could get behind that. But if you're going to posit yourself as a socially conscious thing that's that's Entering into the conversation, you better have something to say. And if you don't, you hurt people and you damage things, and that's bad, and it makes me mad. You've you've read more re- reviews of this than I have. I got the idea that the that we tamed this up for the movie, mm. and that there was more edge to it on Broadway. But I don't know if that's true or not. I did get that idea though. I think that huh. they actually. What I read is they bolstered bolstered Sonny's story a little bit. In the post-Trump world, they wanted the whole idea of dreamers not being able to make it to land, which is important to remember this musical was originally written before Donald Trump. I'm going to look this up. All right, folks, Jake is looking it up, and what have you found? So, it looks like the Broadway musical, or off originally off-Broadway musical, it was much more focused on the bad guys invading like gentrification uh, issues. Washington Heights, so which we only get a little hint of in the film adaptation with just the what the dry cleaner. But so it seems like the real question is: Are the gentrifiers are they pushing everybody out, and they're going to have to go find other places, either move up in the world or find another ghetto to rebuild, or are they going to plant their flag? And so. Usnavi decides to plant his flag or something like that. And that's the central conflict of the of the original show. It's the gentrifiers who are moving in and trying to take things over and scale up prices and raise rents and buy buildings and raise rents and push everybody out. That's what it looks like. And what they wanted to do was tell a story about that felt more updated and and so they added the stuff about Nina in college. They added the dreamer stuff with Sonny mm-hmm. and tried to make it more about 
you know, and then just kind of kept the whole other gentrification as a as another thing and try to make it more complex. That means our hero's central thing in the in the movie version is not actually connected to the theme of the movie. All the side characters have their little thematic journeys that give us some nice morals or whatever, mm-hmm. but our hero's actual decision is gutted. Eh, not much hinges on it actually. Yeah. Huh. And wow. that explains why this whole movie sucks and fails to wh- land emotionally. For yeah, one thing. why we Yeah. It explains why we why it didn't land for us. Yeah. And why we why we why we don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have disagreed with a lot of it, but I submit to you that if the story was told properly, we would have felt all the right things. And what was oh yeah curious about this movie was how little feeling it it huh. got out of me. Minus just kind of, oh, that was a cool number or something like that. Like, I did not end up really invested in this story. And I, I feel like a filmmaker has to work harder than not to make me not invest at least a little bit. But man, I just didn't feel like there was much hinging on anything. Like, oh no, who's going to get the lottery ticket? Eh, doesn't matter that much. Actually, we're all already living in Disney World anyway. And there's not much of a threat in the movie version to Disney World, actually. Yeah, Vanessa is like a very minor character in the musical. She's just doing Snobby's crush. Benny and Nina. Nina, Yeah, that's the main event. They take center stage in a a lot of... uh, yeah, and they, they fight, they have drama, they're initiating a relationship. Nina's dad doesn't like Benny. Nina's mom does. Yeah, Nina, Nina's better. mom is actually there. She has a number. Nina's dad has a whole number about all the sacrifices he's made and how hard he's fought and how, yeah. Yeah, but this, a makes, lot of... this makes more sense. It just is more streamlined. The ver- Wait, the movie's more streamlined? No, the, the, the musical. The, yeah, no, it, musical yeah. sounds like it might be good. Actually. It actually does sound like it might be good. Yeah. They really gutted it all but, to, to take a couple minor swipes at Trumpism. Yeah. In the musical, Sonny worries that people will come to rob the bodega and he and Graffiti Pete set off fireworks to distract looters. For instance, another gesture at actual poverty and... So that's a thing that they just take and make into a, oh no, there's a blackout. We're going to light up the night sky with fireworks so that mm-hmm. we can all see. They take the the, the guts out of it. No, yeah. They really did. They, they just gutted this thing. I'm glad that we I'm glad that we are finding this stuff out. This is good to know. It makes me feel better about 20-year-old Lin-Manuel Miranda and worse about 40-year-old Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. I mean, I know the way these things work. It just goes through a million hands and a lot of cooks in the kitchen and producers and money people and So, <clears throat> another thing. I mean, here even this. <clears throat> the abuela, she in the in the in the musical she sings Paciencia y Fe right after the big 96,000 number, and she's announcing that she won the lottery. That makes so much more sense. Right? Abuela was such a zero in yeah. this movie. Like, yeah. m- you know exactly what they're trying to do with the character, what she's supposed to represent, and it just never connects at all. I mean, Grandmother Willow in Pocahontas <laughs> got more emotion out of me than Abuela. <laughs> oh. I don't know that I've seen a worse matriarch in yeah. a movie. I mean, she's just such a zero. She was like a stage prop version of a Yeah, she, movie. She's, she is a stage prop. They're just like, here she is, and here's what she represents. And she'll come back at the end to die, and we hope you'll be sad. I mean, <laughs> not if you don't actually write a character. Uh, yeah. There are any number of places in this movie where it felt like they were backfilling the emotion. Like, here's the things that it would have been nice to know about Benny's relationship with What's-Her-Face that they tell us at the end of the movie. And then with Ablela, same thing. Like, here's her journey that we... 
yeah. it would have been nice to know about yeah so that i which, could have felt some emotion also, i mean it is just reordered yeah just straight up reordered some of that stuff well i what i feel like reading about this plot in the musical is that it it takes away the the flavor of ingratitude that i was making a point about yeah sounds like it i mean i mean that's what it sounds to me so sounds like it's just a more down-to-earth this is what it would be like in the heights kind of musical which means it'll get any number of things right hmm. so yeah in the musical nina admits that because she had to work two jobs while in school her grades dropped and she lost her scholarship oh wow and a character a out. character with a flaw that they had to <laughs> overcome who needs that yeah <laughs> that's a little racist against latin people actually she they shouldn't have flaws yeah there's just a lot of <laughs> i mean even stuff like uh, we talked about the tension between Benny and uh, Nina or Nina. And there's another guy named Kevin who's another love interest of Nina. And Benny's not Hispanic. And no, uh, Kevin, Kevin is Nina's dad. Oh, sorry. Right. My bad. But the, the, the tension there, part of the reason Kevin doesn't like Benny's because he's actually not Hispanic. He's black. Because he's black. Yeah. And then, so it's like, all through the movie, and then there's like the moment when they kiss that finally resolves the tension. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any of that tension. We, we just don't have tension, period. So many times in this movie, I'm just like, well, they're singing and dancing, but I don't really know what's at stake here. I mean, that thought went through my head any number of times. Like, just pride a lot of the time. Like, mm-hmm. why are you guys lying around? We should dance because we're Latin. It's, yeah. It's hot, but we should dance because pride. Yeah. Uh, what okay. a, what a, what a, ter- I can't believe people, are, well, I guess I can believe people are giving this one a pass, but it's a bad movie. Hmm. And it sounds like it gutted everything that was good about what sounds like a pretty good stage play, probably. I don't know. I mean, it's true that we want to, we just want to believe that. But you're suspicious that. I want to believe that. That's why I brought it up. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to go listen to the actual Broadway album mm-hmm. after we leave here <laughs> to f- to figure out more of it for myself well you'll have to report back to us maybe i'll do the same thing <sighs> well guys what other thoughts about in the heights do you want to share well we had our shot we didn't throw it away we N- took it no we so. took it i want to take some more shots i want to talk about how <laughs> i want to reiterate how much i hate this movie <laughs> I don't want to claim, I don't want to like wear the poverty card or anything like that. I didn't grow up in anything all that terrible. But, you know, I, I grew up pretty, pretty poor by American standards. My wife grew up much poorer than I did. And I've worked blue collar jobs. And I feel like I know enough about how these kind of communities work to know that there's a lot of angry, bitter, lazy people. That's not to say that everybody is like that or that there aren't hopeful people or people with dreams or what, what do they keep what do they call their dreams in sueñitos it's not to say that there aren't people rising above it it's not to say that there aren't all kinds of people but to paint everybody in washington heights as just like sexy thriving pepsi generation people is just such a lie. I mean, I really think it is akin, akin to making a movie, to making Song of the South, you know? Like, slavery's fun! Yay! <laughs> Even though the movie makes some sort of gesture towards we should get out of slavery, I guess. Like, Usnavi should want to get out. 
It never tells you or makes you feel why he should want to get out or what he's getting out of or what Jimmy Schmitz had to sacrifice. Cutting those things out, which it sounds like maybe the stage play had them. Ramos or Usnavi owns the bodega, though. Like, Yeah. Yeah, he's doing all right, I guess. We're not, we're not actually dealing with... I mean, we've got the owner of the dispatch and his family, yeah. who he can apparently send to Stanford. Right. Although he has to sell out space here and whatever. You've got the bodega owner. Well, I, 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 I was expecting this argument because I think this is the argument that Lin-Manuel Miranda would make owner. if he was here. Mm-hmm. He'd say, why are you acting like this is a movie about poverty, Nathan? It's like this is a movie about like... Climbers, reachers, streamers, people who are moving up in the world and making good. And, and they have, you know, and they're building on what their parents... I'll be Miranda for you. Right. Well, okay, but apparently Nina has to save us all from something. And apparently Usnavi has to save us all from something by staying. And apparently Jimmy Smits is really sacrificing something by not staying. So you do want to say something about the poverty of your people. And apparently what you want to say, what you've managed to communicate is it's awesome. And that's an incredibly irresponsible and foolish thing for you to communicate, Mr. Manuel Miranda. Well, but, okay, but what's his name? Kevin? Kevin. 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 Kevin's made good on his parents' investment. He's built, he's figured things out. He's helping his daughter take the next step. They're going to stand tall. Usnavi is trying to figure out and process these realities for himself. Like, is it good enough to be a bodega guy? Is, Is Kevin selling his business to put his daughter ahead sacrificing the uh, sacrificing the community or making a sacrifice for the community those are the questions we're trying to ask and play with and you know nina it, nina is like no you're sacrificing the community and <laughs> he's like no i'm sacrificing for the community because, by sacrificing for you because it's not about maintaining what we have here it's about taking the next steps always the next steps always building always moving forward but the next and steps so out sense, of what it's not and towards what towards being successful, seen, empowered Latino Americans. But you, to, to watch the movie, you already are. You have an awesome community of successful, seen, empowered Latino Americans. Running around singing about how powerless they are. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. You're sending completely mixed signal, s- signals. And <laughs> did you just switch <laughs> sides there? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> powerless. Powerless, yeah. Powerless. Like you really, you really don't feel. Well, here's the thing. I I did a little reading to shore powerless. up my argument about Washington Heights. Guess what? People smoke cigarettes. There's a lot of heroin usage. It doesn't feel like Disney World. Okay, I guess you could tell a story about this random community of up and comer dreamers, as Jake's trying to argue on your behalf, but. Why on earth would you co-opt and appropriate the culture of a bunch of poor, struggling, unhappy people and portray it in such a positive light? You rat. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. I want to know. Sorry, I keep wanting to do this. I want to know somebody has gone and interviewed people in Washington Heights. Mm -hmm. How... How have people in Washington Heights? While you're doing that, I'll argue against myself. Here's the argument against you, Nathan. 
actually, the area has been pretty well gentrified. You're being a racist when you say it's that terrible. And you just need to understand that there actually is a vibrant community and that, eh, okay, fair enough, other Nathan, but there's a lot of problems in that area. And he's just ignoring, he's not even gesturing towards them. Or if he, do, he is, he's doing, the, doing it in a really irresponsible way. Maybe I made, it was because I just watched Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing for some ridiculous reason, huh. which is a very powerful and very angry and very wrong, I think, movie about these very issues, about a small community of black people living in New York who all have this community pride, but there's also angry people and there's also lazy people and there's also the Italians that are over here. Like it, There's so much richness to, I mean, I guess it's not com- fair to compare a little sad gymnastics boy to, you know, Mike Tyson and a fistfight, like they're both trying to do different things. But that was a wonderful mm-hmm. metaphor, wasn't it, folks? But seriously, like this movie doesn't begin to ask the right questions. Even if it had different answers than the answers that I would want it to have, it does not begin to ask the same questions. And are you finding some good information over there, Jake? I am seeing a bunch of quotes about Miranda talking about how his vision for In the Heights couldn't have been any different than Choose. Well, that's fascinating. He always huh. imagined it being really small and he probably imagined small indie cozy. Yeah. Man, that'd be nothing a great that verse. nothing that that big. Oh man, if there were just more fans in the window, if people were were smoking cigarettes in the background, if some of the people who weren't your stars had warts on their faces, if Abuela looked a little bit more like life had sapped some energy out of her and like, you know, she looked like an old abuela matriarch of that kind of community might actually look. If the whole movie had a just a tad more of the feeling of the T.O. scene, you know, just more fans in the background, in the windows, more heat coming off of the sidewalk, more trash. Man, it would have gone so far. John's bigger vision was much bigger than my vision. I always pictured it as this little indie musical. Hopefully we could film it in our neighborhood. Because I don't think any other neighborhood looks like Washington Heights, dot, dot, dot. But on Crazy Rich Asians, what John learned was that we don't get a lot of opportunities like this, so we have to swing big. He lobbied for a big movie that's still set in this neighborhood. Yeah, that's... Filming last summer was one of the most joyous experiences of my life. I was just writing songs about my neighborhood to, that I love to have performed on stage. To see those reinterpreted on the streets was breathtaking, quote, unquote. So, he's still promoting it while also saying... I, he's trying to promote how big and mm-hmm. but he's also, vision is. You read between the lines a little bit and it's not. I mean, you can, it's, you can plausibly read between the lines and say, and see that he's saying this is very different than anything I'd ever imagined or planned or whatever. And I'm bored with it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Well, listen, I think he probably is because I think he just feels the burden of representation. Yeah. And so he really thinks like, Okay, that's a pretty good argument, John. Like, we have to make this big budget because Latinos never get to make big budget movies. So, and this is our chance to really make it big and make it great Mm -hmm. and make it cool and not have to apologize for anything that's great about our world or our culture. How many, how many movies that celebrate white culture, you know, just completely ignore and minimize all the bad side, all the ugly? Why can't we do that? Probably arguments like that, right? Which is fair, but. 
you need to tell a coherent story with a moral point that makes some kind of sense and connects emotionally if you're going to do that. You don't get to drop those burdens because you have the burden of representation. And I think that's exactly what they did. Like they, they gutted their theme, whether it was ever in the original Broadway show or not, as they worked on this script for the movie, they ended up gutting the thematic sensibility that they had. And they're just left with something that really isn't, just, it's just not a movie. It's not a story. They, they tried to replace it with a different theme different thematic sensibility right perhaps. but they didn't connect it to the main hero's journey mm-hmm. of this of the of this guy plus the whole as long as i'm complaining I'll, I'll stop complaining about the big points let me complain about some little points i hate the wraparound i think it's garbage i think it, i think it saps a lot of tension out of the movie even though it's a fake out i think mm-hmm. having him cu- cutting back to him talking to cute kids is just always a bummer yeah, and, and completely yeah uh, invented for the movie. And I get that they they worked backwards and they had a nice you know it was a red herring. Also, I hate the fact that it cheats in terms of red herring. Like the fact that we actually have a nice ocean background behind uh-huh. him. Yep. I think that's yep. not playing fair with your audience. There's no way that I could have. I mean, because I've seen a movie, <laughs> I can anticipate that twist. But right. the fact that they're actually going to show the ocean at the beginning—that's yeah. cheating. That's not good movie making. I don't like that. It's not playing fair with your audience. You know, it's akin to actually showing the wrong person commit the murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we're actually going to show Ben commit the murder. And then the twist is that was that, all in his head. That was in his head. Jake committed the murder. <laughs> That's, I think we figured out season three of The Ville. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got it. Uh, uh, we, we haven't talked about other missteps like our... Just the fact of putting Miranda in the movie at all, or the second he showed up, showed up, which is early in the movie, it, it whipped me right out and killed whatever most emo- emotional threads I was starting to. So, yeah, and then to go ahead and make the Hamilton reference on the phone, mm-hmm. the elevator music, and and even to pick the song that they picked, it's just well, I don't think we talked about that on Mike. We should talk about that. So the King George number, what's it called? You'll be back in Hamilton is a beauty to my mind a beautifully cynical work of showmanship because just when the white bourgeois audience has had about enough or or doesn't quite know whether to trust the musical isn't isn't committed they're not committed you have this really funny campy campy british invasion something that every middle-aged white person is just going to love show up and and it, it really helps the show earn the trust of of lamestream people and it's great and yeah. I, I admire it for that i realize i'm talking cynically about it but my hat is off to the to a perfect work of structural showmanship awesome uh, this this movie a could have really used something like that actually if your goal right. is representation if your goal is to draw me as a boring white person into your story it doesn't hurt to give me a, another couple handles for it and so although you know that doing so opens you up to the accusation of pandering in a way that in Hamilton it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, make it the villain song. I mean, that's what Hamilton did. And right. it, it was a pretty... And that's why it worked. It was a pretty... And that's what you do. You have the gentrifier have a number or, you know, or whatever, the realtor or somebody like that. That would be great, actually. Right? It'd be hilarious. And, and just make it a... And you can totally do like a a sort of ricky martin you know type thing you know from the 90s where it's like 
we're going to take all the Latino flair and turn it into, you know, a pop song mm-hmm. that is going to be a summer hit for everybody. Like, make it that and make it a joke, make a joke of that and have it be the whitest person possible trying to make a sing a Latino pop song. Right. And you can get Neil Patrick Harris or exactly, the actual right. whitest people, you know, <laughs> whoever the whitest person is that can sing, get somebody like that. Come in and have it be appropriation and, 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 and then it's not, then it, your pandering becomes genius pandering. <laughs> Which is what Lynn manuel Miranda is a genius at anyway. <laughs> genius pandering. Oh, man. What else is there to say about this movie? We'll, we'll back, be back. <laughs> yeah. Like That's a great song. That is an awesome back, song. Back to the poverty thing you were talking about. You, yeah. You, off mic, you were comparing another musical number mm-hmm. that perfectly establishes the scene of poverty. Oh, yeah. Very funny. In a very funny, sympathetic, and cynical way, it does mm-hmm. both things. So you should talk about that. Well, uh, it's it's one of the best numbers by one of the great 20th century's great lyrical geniuses and musical geniuses, which is Mencken and Ashman's uh, and Frank Oz. Speaking of white men, <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz's awesome filmed version of Skid Row from one of my favorite little musicals, Little Shop of Horrors, and. It's a perfect number for establishing all kinds of things and establishing why these characters want out. I mean, it doesn't establish community. It is just like Skid Row sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing something a little differently, but 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 it's a great example of how you can, in a very colorful, vibrant, fun way, set this world up <laughs> and, and give some tension to to the drama of it. I mean, I think you're right, Jake. The argument against my point is they never wanted to make any kind of point about poverty. Yeah, they really did just want to show how great this culture is, and and y- you can you can think of it in relative terms, even if if you're going to keep con- if you're going to continue to make the case. Mm-hmm. What we've done is we've taken the best of the Dominican and Cuba and everywhere else we were in our heritage, and we've rebuilt it here in the land of opportunity. We've created our own little space, and we've made the best of it. And it's a beautiful thing and we're not going to apologize for it. And we think it's really great and really cool. And yeah, there's downside to everything, but we're not showing you the downside. We're showing you what we love about it. We're showing you what we think back on, what we miss, what we're nostalgic for, what we remember, what we came from and everything that's great about that. And, and my don't, we have, don't we have a right to do that? Isn't that what everybody does with where they come from? And I would say, uh, no, you don't. When the downside is as big as the downside that you actually do have in those kinds of communities, it is irresponsible not to show it in some way, to, not to at least gesture towards it. You know, like Hamilton, For <laughs> Hamilton's a great counterpoint. Hamilton, in a, in a, it's funny to use this word, but there's ways in which Hamilton whitewashes history. You know, oh, they all, they all were against slavery. No, they weren't. But... Hamilton at least always is in conversation with history. You can argue whether Hamilton's audience of nine-year-olds is sophisticated enough to pick this up. But the way that Hamilton is meant to work, it's always in conversation with history, and it's always at least gesturing towards history, and it's always playing off of history. This movie, the movie version of In the Heights at least, does not manage to gesture towards the reality of what these people live with. Yeah, there's no sense... Of making the best of things, actually. No, they just have mm-hmm. the best of things. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't make narrative <laughs> yeah. sense. Right. Because we still have to play with the tropes of, I just got to get out of here. Yeah. Right. But we're never given a reason why. 
Why was Abuela's heart life hard? It looks great. Abuela's life just I looks mean, great. Yeah. If 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 John Chu wants to be the 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 hero of minority communities, he should have picked something different than in the heights. Or he should have collaborated with Miranda on something on something different. Well, there's a way to romanticize poverty. I really think that there is. I don't know that it's the best thing to do, but there is a way to do it. But you have to at least say poverty exists before you go about romanticizing it. <laughs> and yeah. this this movie, strangely, as, as much as it wants to prop up ideas of you know structural racism and things like that, it doesn't really acknowledge in its visuals, at least, that, that poverty is even a thing. Besides T.O. in his little apartment with the fans, which even there, it's Ricky Martin and... You know, Mark Anthony. Or, or Mark Anthony, whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm a racist. <laughs> that would have been None gen- of my, genius casting. <laughs> that would have been Ricky genius. Ricky <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> could have had the song. Where's J-Lo while we're at it? <laughs> I know. Where is J-Lo while we're at it? <laughs> How many times watching the movie did I think, man, it looks so cozy <laughs> to live in this neighborhood? Well, once again, West Side Story, great example of everything's fun, everything's vibrant, everything's choreography, but they're always at least gesturing towards the reality of what these people would live with. And it's a different story. I mean, ultimately, it ends in tragedy, so they can't help but gesture towards it. A harsh, ugly world. The harsh, ugly world. There's a way to say, we're talking about the harsh, ugly world, but we're doing it through song, through dance through choreography, through beautiful people with beautiful bodies. I don't necessarily have a problem with any of that when it's done responsibly, but I don't think that this movie even enters into that conversation. It doesn't even start to try and do it responsibly. And so that's really bad. The things that this movie teaches kids without even saying them are really bad. I I just, I, I think it is fundamentally through, I don't even think it's anybody's fault necessarily. Or it's a, it's sins of omission, maybe. You know, you could argue like they just weren't thinking John Cho was just the right, wrong man for the job. They made a script change here, a script change there, and then eventually they got this thing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what this movie signifies is that there is no poverty, that people who are in bondage are not. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I just keep thinking of the job that I worked as a janitor, and it's like, we actually did have this kind of, com- we, we weren't Latin culture, right? But we had a community. We had a poverty community. We had our gallows humor. We had our fun together. Like there, there was a lot of, we're all in this together, sticking it to the man kind of thing. But also there was just a lot of people who were really suffering, who were drinking hardcore, who were bitter, who were angry. Like where's the anger in this movie? This movie needed more anger to say anything accurate about anything. Well, it. I want to actually come back to casting on this point too, because I think that it's another wonderful point—the one that you're about to make. I yeah, think, yeah, it's it's another piece of the puzzle of just how it all misfires, where your lead character actually has zero anger whatsoever, yeah, and that's Nothing. so wrong for the movie. It's like a puppy dog. In 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 that is as simple as casting. It's as simple as performance, and he doesn't have it in him to have any chip on his shoulder to have anything underneath the surface except a really cute charming smile and the ability to get through all of the musical numbers and dance scenes and uh, the one really thing well. that we know Miranda can play beautifully from Hamilton because uh-huh. it's the defining characteristic uh, yeah. of the way that he's thought of that character of Hamilton is a guy with a chip on his shoulder young scrappy and hungry baby <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah yeah yep where's the scrappy where's the hungry where's the anger where's the chip on the shoulder of where's the guy who's actually processing this whole decision, this big weighty decision 
on any kind of emotional level whatsoever. Sunny. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's what makes it's what that's makes, all you get. It's what makes Sunny one of the more compelling characters. Yeah, in the yeah. Thing. yeah. He's got edge. He's yeah. he's angry. Yeah. He's yeah. he's frustrated with his situation. Even even the dad's anger is it, it's 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 of little dramatic worth. It lasts for such a short time. It's, and, and it's relatively impotent. It's impotent. And what a waste of what's his Jimmy face? Smith. Bail Organa. Or not Bail is he Bail Organa? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was he was he was an awesome casting. Yeah, I love Jimmy Schmitz. I mean he's great, but I don't know. But yeah, your lead was a total zero in the emotional in the in the emotion department. He had nothing to offer you except a really cute smile and yep. it all works out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, kids, you I did nothing and <laughs> but it all kind of worked out. That was my swanito. You know, and it's like, all right, so Miranda's going to promote his buddy into this, into this role and try to propel him to stardom, but he didn't have what it took to make it shine and make it work on screen. Maybe he, maybe in some sense he does, on stage in a way that he doesn't on screen because you don't have to deal with the close-ups. Mm-hmm. But his simpering smile that we have that's to- all, That's yeah, all we've got. That's all we've got. It's just like, uh, and that's why I keep saying really cute smile because that's basically the one thing that he can give you and it's all he gives you all movie long is a close-up. Oh, we're going to have a cute smile. Like, that's it. That's all he has to offer. And I mean, he's a very talented person in his own right but just the wrong guy for that lead role. Like he was, he would, you know, he was fun in Hamilton. I'm sure he's great in other roles. You could see him being angry. Like I, as you're talking, I'm like trying to imagine him playing an angry, like a bitter young man. I think I can mm, see it. Maybe he could play it, but they sure don't ask him to do it. They don't why. stretch him here at, at all. Yeah. Well, there's just no, like, again, on paper, why does this man want to go back to the Dominican Republic? Well, because he's an orphan whose only happy memories. So he he's got these happy memories of his dad's hotel or whatever it was in in the Dominican or Puerto. It was the Dominican, right? The Dominican Republic. They come to America to make it good, to make good on things, and to get away from. And then his parents die, and so now what? So now he's just trying to figure out who he is and where he fits. And where he can be happy, because the one thing that America represents is the place where his parents died. Okay, well, make us feel some of that, please. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and make him have to make us feel that he's actually grappling with all of that. Uh, and his parents did the wrong. Th- maybe his parents did the wrong thing, and maybe all this stuff. And then he has to realize, actually, they set me up pretty good, and I'm romanticizing some garbage. And this is the right decision. And all of that could have been there in the in the script itself mm-hmm. and just communicated with some facial expressions right. that aren't a simpering smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some edge, you know, some... Well, nowhere do you want that edge more than in the scene where he's beta-ing beta out and so she starts throwing herself at all these other guys and they're all seeing Vanessa, Vanessa, and she's intentionally trying to provoke him and it's this really it, it's what should be a really sexually charged battle of the wills like what we talked about with philadelphia story right or, or even a stare and rogers <laughs> but man, man it just kind of like peters out but man like give me some male rage and some impotence and some some something at least play impotence like at least play where who's gonna throw a blow somewhere right like, <laughs> right <laughs> 
why are these people not scared? And then the thing is, I think you could, I mean, there's always going to be scolds who are mad about everything. This movie proves it because the woke crowd was mad that there wasn't enough Afro Latino representation. Uh, representation. Yeah. But actually when you're doing another culture, you can do stronger male characters. Like, I don't think that people would actually take offense as much at this guy being an alpha as they would at, you know, a white guy, like a, a white guy has to be a beta or, or we'll be mad at him. But Right. We, we could play to the stereotype of Latino swagger a little bit more, maybe not completely, but we could give this guy some swagger. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is pathetic. Why would Vanessa be interested in this guy? Yeah, that's pretty unclear the whole time. Well, they, they again, at the very end of the movie, they're like, oh, we always liked each other at school. And oh, it, I forgot that that happened. But, but it's because they fill it in at the very end. It's so weird. They do it with Abuela. They do it with that. They do it with Benny and his girlfriend. Like they wait to give you emotional information that makes things connect emotionally until the end. It, it's just, it's bizarre. It's like they want to go out of their way to make things not connect. Like you have to work hard to make a script that non-intuitively bad. If, uh. if, if I said that correctly, like I, I do not understand. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bad. Maybe it's because he's a successful small business owner who has some stature in the community. Maybe that would go some ways towards attracting women. I would love that, actually. I mean, I would love it if it was just more cynical. If it was just like, well, Vanessa's not getting out, so she's got to decide what her best ticket to some kind of happy life is. That would be interesting. But, of course, they're never going to do anything that interesting. It has to be true love based on something we'll backfill at the very end. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. He's always been there for you. You always get your coffee for free. He went to the nail salon lady and had her sign, co-sign for you. Which took real sacrifice on his part. <laughs> <laughs> a detail that I somehow missed. Like, I did not know what they were talking about at first. When oh, really? That, I must have been looking down or taking a note or something. I don't know. I'm sure it was obvious. I'm, I'm, yeah, it uh, was. He, I'm, like, literally goes to the salon lady and is like, here are the, here are the papers. And if you co-sign on them, Nina can get, or not Nina, Vanessa can get her apartment that she's been longing for and since you're leaving you might as well do this one last good thing for her please please please, please do this thing all right by the way i, <laughs> I mean that's basically what the scene is <laughs> that is what the scene is <laughs> very silly by the way i i i uh, i i i i really don't like cougars in, in movies or in anything the the nail salon lady really uh her and her partner's all felt that was, it was just yeah. it was just gross. It was really gross. Maybe we're not allowed to say that, but we tell it like it is here on Sanity at the movies. But yeah, the, yeah, the whole nail salon scene actually, all of it was gross. It was like, yeah, which is the worst part of the. Well, there again, if you had an angle on those ladies, like if you were making fun of them, like if you didn't have to just blandly like they were also awesome, <laughs> blandly say everything's awesome. <laughs> if you're like, oh, here's the gossipy kind of oversexed. Nail salon ladies, isn't that kind of funny? Like you could see an old Hollywood movie having a lot of fun with those those character types. What did they have on the walls that were these had all these like little details that you see in other movies where suddenly it's like heads on wall like mannequin heads on walls were singing or that's right, like tilting their heads or whatever. Right. Mannequin heads with wigs. There again, I think I think Chow's so He's all right. He keeps the energy up. He knows how to cut together a nice little MTV style montage. But 
he needed to either, I think, go a little bit more magical, just yeah. do a few more things like that so we know we were living in that kind of world, or just not do it because it, it kind of always feels like it's violating the reality, for me at least. I, I suppose people's mileage may vary, but I was just kind of like, why are they walking on the on the side of the building now? Like, what what is this? I thought we were in like a a street-wise kind of yeah. movie situation. I suppose he threads that needle pretty well. I, 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 there, if I liked the movie better, I'd probably be willing to cut it more slack in that department because he does do a lot to try and thread that needle. I'm he, glad th- he he maintains the thread with the animation stuff, and then he does these little flourishes or tributes, and he's got the big dancing sideways scene. There's the dancing sideways scene. There's the Vanessa is just watching magical mm-hmm. rolls of fabric come down. Yeah. There's a few other magical realism touches. There's obviously the animation stuff. I could have used either a little bit, like Guy Ritchie is a good example, Ben's favorite filmmaker and favorite person. Uh, yep, mentor. Yeah, spiritual, Ben's, Ben's spiritual sp- development sp- coach. Yeah, yeah, Ben's spiritual development coach, Guy Ritchie, is, he would just do five or six more things like that. And so you'd be like, oh, I'm living in Guy Ritchie land. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Chow should have done that, but that's a minor complaint about this piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> There's another banana peel in that pile of garbage over there. <laughs> Someone should have taken care of that. Oh, let me say some nice things. I really did like most of the performers. I thought they were great. I'd be happy to watch them and other things. Uh, Vanessa was good. It was she was interesting. She was an interesting type. Like she looked a little different than your standard Hollywood lead. I thought that was nice. I always liked Jimmy Smith's. Abuela, I thought, was a swing and a miss, yeah. although she's from the Broadway show, and I could imagine how she could be really powerful there, but... I didn't feel bad about Abuela, not really. I, I, the only thing I felt bad about in terms of casting was Anthony Ramos Anthony as Ramos. the lead, but I think he could have played any number of side characters in this very credibly mm-hmm. and very well and really, you know, added to... By the way, apropos of nothing, did you guys watch the awesome post-credits scene? Yes, on accident. I had no, no idea it was there. Missed it. Well, it turns out the the ice cream truck breaks down, and so Lin Manuel Miranda he's in some good business, and then he goes and he gives us a, a Slurpee or whatever to the ice cream truck guy. So it's, that it's, looks like urine. Yeah, and he sniffs it suspiciously. <laughs> it, was, it was cute. I thought it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, I just. I, I didn't know it was there. I just happened to leave it on to... I, normally, I just flip it off, you know, flip off movies when they're done. But for whatever reason, I got up and was moving around the kitchen or something like that and letting it play. And there it was. There it was. In all its glory. In all its glory. Let's see. I'm looking through my notes. So, I'll I'll, I'll read you my notes. These are the notes I took. All right. While I, I, I really hate the wraparound story. That was my first note. (laughs) Like the second the wraparound story came on, I just hated it. My second note was, who knew a movie about the Latinx community could be so whitewashed? My third note was, Hamilton reminder sucks. My second, my fourth note was, Abuela fails. My fifth note was, could have used more T.O. My sixth note was, everyone should be uglier. Those are my notes. (laughs) 96,000 is fun. That was my other note. (sighs) I was really inspired to take a lot of great notes by this movie. Hmm. Donald Trump was in a lyric and got edited out. Did y'all see that? Yeah, I did. Really? 
Yeah. They didn't have the, they didn't have the courage to go against the orange monster that everybody hates. His but explanation it, made pretty good sense. He was just like Donald when I wrote the when I wrote the musical Donald Trump was a rich guy. So in the lyrics he appears as you know, I made all this money and now Donald Trump's my caddy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, now that's like it's like exist. weirdly politically charged. Oh, yeah, what does yeah, that even mean? yeah, no, no, no. So, that was worth thinking out. Good yeah, job. He's changes it to Tiger Woods as yeah, the caddy. Tiger Woods. Well, now that they're that's kind of racist against black people if they have to be the caddies. But nice going, Miranda. You virulent racist. Other deep thoughts about in the heights, gentlemen. Any any other blood we can squeeze out of this turkey? <laughs> Turn up, <laughs> whatever it is. Blood out of turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, I think we already did. <laughs> we got all the blood we, out of the turkey. Let it out. Let's roast that so we're deep fry. I think <laughs> is the proper way to. Yeah, let's deep fry the sucker. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recommend it in the heights. I don't recommend it for anybody. I hate it. <clears throat> if you just want a catalog of fun dancing. Okay, here's a question, I guess. If, if someone just wants a movie that is a montage of singing and dancing like that's the only thing they expect the only thing they want will they be satisfied no <laughs> get on youtube and get down a music video rat hole i mean you'll find more interesting songs and you maybe not i mean for dancing sure it's like one one thriller number after thriller number like you know Michael Jackson did Thriller and then everybody's tr- tried to live up to that since then. Will Smith's tried to live up to that with his Men in Black and uh, Wild Wild West videos and st- whatever. Desperado. Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. I- I'm glad that that's becoming a running joke on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but in that, it's got some 96,000, maybe Carnival in the Barrio, although that's led by it's probably pretty good in in the heights the top number pretty good if you want to get the flavor of the movie without with the least amount of flesh then in the heights is probably your jam i guess yeah it's the opening number in the heights and the most catchy yeah it's the only one that i could just pull up in my and the one i miss most of by coming into the theater late (laughs) you suck i do it's on hbo max man I don't, I don't, I don't keep a subscription to HBO Max, Jake. I'm not a high roll. <laughs> Mine is free with my internet service, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good deal, too. Yeah. We don't have AT&T. Yeah. <laughs> we live, we live in the Bayard Park neighborhood. AT&T. No. <laughs> one day, Ben. <laughs> oh, one day. I have a little, I have a Dude. sueñito. <laughs> <laughs> Bay Bay Park is like one of the most historically ritzy neighborhoods in all of Evansville, you dork. Jake, do not give such context to my remarks. (laughs) I'm glad we could end this episode on an entirely racist (laughs) impression. (laughs) Don't give such context to my remarks. (laughs) Hey, honey. Oh, best movie. This movie does also violate the Astaire rule, which I know you have, you can't just do it all in one take Astaire style, but man, you never get to see anybody dance for more than one beat, except for, I think that the, the number on where the camera turns sideways and all that sort of thing, which is nice. But 
man, they are always MTVing it. It always cuts every time. And it's very energetic. It's very propulsive. It's entertaining. But I don't really know that this would be my number one dance movie either because you don't actually get to see it. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's fun. Whatever. But <sighs> 96,000. That's the one to watch probably. Mm. Although that's... Yeah, although that... That's one of the... Be, be warned that that's the one at the pool. So everybody's in... Yeah. Bikinis and swim trunks. Yeah, and as much as we wanted to have that awkward discussion about how this movie is oddly asexual or desexualized, which is true, eh, yet also, you, you, you do well without seeing all that flesh. Yeah. So. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, There's a lot of flesh and there's a lot of short shorts and there's a lot of those kinds of things. There's a lot of cleavage and... Uh, a lot of shirtless dudes with abs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> My, I said shirtless suits with apps, and then my stomach made a. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Burble? <laughs> <laughs> no apps here. <laughs> my ears are burning. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, one app. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it would be bad if there were shirtless dudes without apps. Okay, well, how many senos? What do they say? What's dreams called? Sin- sueñitos. How many su- su- sueñitos out of seven do you give in the heights, Benjamin? Two? Two sen- su- sueñitos. sueñitos. How about you, Jay? How many su- suen- we? I can't say it. How many out of seven? Three. Three? All right, I'm giving it zero. Nah, I'll give it one. I enjoyed some of the dancing. You know, it was pleasant enough to watch. Like, I, I wasn't actively hating it. I only actively hated it when I thought about it, when I gave it a second thought. But I came away and I was just like, well, every song reminds me of Hamilton, but not as catchy. So now I have these different Hamilton songs in my head. Oh, instead of helpless, we get powerless. Oh, instead of this, we get that. And oh, this was clearly written for that troupe. I might as well have seen that troupe. And oh, none of this lives up and whatever. And then I came away and I was like, well, the choreography was really great and it was really colorful, but also... And that was all the thought I, I gave to it. Didn't want to come back to it. Yep. Oh, I will make one more point, which is so boring to have to make this point about every movie. But man, the feminism of this movie, like all the women characters oh. are the ones with any agency. Down oh, to our hero's yeah, big decision, yeah, yeah. like his big crisis point and major decision <laughs> yeah. being essentially. I broke into your uh, bodega and I painted it. Oh, and I took Forget this life dream that I've had of going back to the Dominican and oh, my plane tickets and everything. It's all out the window. <laughs> I had a vision for my life, but some... You had a vision for yours too, so <laughs> naturally... I Let's do have... yours! I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said no man ever. <laughs> Unless he was a, a real beta cuck. But why should that be the hero of the movie? Lame. Hate it. Garbage. Stupid. And the dad's like, ah, I sacrificed and stuff, but... I really want to know what the... I really... I'm waiting for some actual musical person like to just do the actual analysis of how how much this movie just is the same. Is the same. There's any, the songs are just the same. There's any number of melodic or chord structure fragments that are just... It's not even reminiscent it just sounds like it's just the, it sounds like hamilton the oh and now we're going to you know from our big 
you know, kind of coral or, you know, into the, into the wrap here. And now our Skylar sister is going to come on and mm-hmm. sing an almost identical melody with almost the same styling as she would in mm-hmm. Hamilton. And what is the, the Skylar sister? Is it helpless? What What is that? No. What is the word in the actual musical? I can't pull it now because I've got the Skylar power. sister songs. That's that. I- that is one of them. Helpless. That's why I've been what I've been. Okay, helpless is what they say. Okay, yeah. The whole time, yeah. That melodic fragment, I feel like definitely the ba-ba definitely mm-hmm. ends up in here. Yep. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm sorry to have to give a patron shout out to some poor soul on this episode. We could do a deep dive and actually figure it out if we wanted to. We really could, but we shouldn't. <laughs> Yay. What a waste <laughs> I of life. I applaud this decision. All right. Yes, I applaud the decision as well. Hey guys, let's give a patron choice award of awesomeness to one of our greatest and old, oldest patrons. Patrons. Not in that this person is old, but they've been a patron for a long time is what I'm trying to say. One of the OG patrons and a person who I think is living. Well, I don't know, Ben. Tell me what you think about this person as it relates to the American dream. All right. Her name is Caitlin. Caitlin, Caitlin has a swingito, mm-hmm. and uh, yep, she goes after it. What can I say? If she owned a bodega, I venture to say she would sell it to get back to the Dominican Republic, and she wouldn't give up that swingito. I think you're probably right. Yep. Jake, your thoughts on Caitlin, recipient of days? I, I disagree with Ben. Yeah. Well, I agree with Ben as well. Success. She, she would give up that bodega in a heartbeat. No dega. more like no dig (laughs) well caitlin i hope you enjoy your patron choice award of awesomeness we're glad that we could make it happen for you and good luck with this jake until next time jake has he remembers too many memorable things from (laughs) this movie and the soundtrack he's like which thing should i pull there's so many Pacencia y fe i play all his number was dumb Man, there's nothing sadder than when something tries to pull on my heartstrings and fails. Like, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Did you guys cry for Abuela? No. When she walked into the light? I got a little emotional, probably. I mean, I'm, I am a sucker. I cried in Wonder Woman <laughs> at 84 when, when fake Jimmy Smith's, what's his name? The, the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. When, when he reconciled with his daughter and she said, you're my real hero or something. I was like, oh, or yeah, his son, whatever. <laughs> Another memorable movie. <laughs> I just wanted you to be my dad. I didn't need a hero. I just needed a dad. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker. I cried for that crap, but well, I got no tears from me. All right. Until next time, you have to do it again because I kept talking. Pacencia <laughs> y Take that. Paciencia. (laughs) Whatever.